0: You're listening to the Let's Talk Bible Podcast, a Bible study podcast for kids
1: and parents.
0: We're your hosts,
1: Will, Charlotte, and Chase. But we call him Dad.
0: Dad'll work too. Each week, we're talking about the world of the Bible, along with interesting facts, history, and words to help you better understand what you read. The Bible doesn't have to be confusing, it actually makes a lot of sense sometimes you just need to talk it through. We hope our conversations help your family have some better conversations too.
2: Conversations are always
0: good. We hope it helps us all know Jesus better and learn to follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind,
2: and strength.
0: Let's talk Bible. Well, we're back having another conversation on the Bible, and today we're actually going to be wrapping up Luke chapter 5. Before we read our passage, do you guys remember what we talked about in last week's episode? Jesus calling Levi? That's right. We saw Jesus call Levi. And do you remember Levi responded by inviting all of his friends to come and meet Jesus? But some people didn't like that. Do you remember who didn't like Jesus eating with tax collectors? The Pharisees? The Pharisees did not like Jesus eating with tax collectors. We talked a lot about the Pharisees and why they didn't like that. Well, today's episode, we're going to read another passage of scripture, and it's a continuation. It's the rest of that conversation Jesus was having with the Pharisees. So we actually paused right in the middle of their conversation. Jesus had said that he had not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do you remember us talking about calling sinners to repentance? Well, in today's passage, the Pharisees are going to respond to Jesus about that topic. So let's get mom in and let's read our passage of the week.
2: Let's go, mom. Come on, mom. Luke chapter 5, verse 33.
3: Then they said to him, John's disciples frequently fast and pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours continue to eat and drink. So Jesus said to them, You cannot make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But those days are coming, and when the bridegroom is taken from them, at that time they will fast. He also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it to an old garment. If he does, he will have torn the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. Instead, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. No one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says, the old is good enough. Thanks,
0: Mom. Okay, well, there's plenty to talk about there. As I mentioned in our introduction, Jesus is continuing his conversation with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees object to Jesus, saying that he has come to call people to repentance. So we get this conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees. Well, as we normally do, I'd be interested to hear what stood out to you from our passage, maybe questions or thoughts or things you observed from what we read today.
2: Sounds like we need to talk about wedding... And fasting and wine and wineskins.
0: Charlotte, did you wonder what all that conversation was about as well?
1: Yeah, like wait, what? Like like what is this? And like what does this mean? Like, like there's a lot of words that I didn't know.
0: Okay, well, plenty to talk about, and I think we can break it down. But at the center of this discussion is really the objection of the Pharisees about fasting and about praying. So maybe we could get into an important person, place, or thing and talk a little bit more about fasting today.
1: It's an
2: important person, place, or thing. We've uncovered a person, place, or thing that's important for you to learn more about.
1: Today's important thing is fasting.
0: Well, I'm curious if either of you know what fasting means.
2: To go without some time without food?
0: Yeah, that's right. In the Old Testament, there were certain days, religious days, when Israel was called to fast. They were supposed to refrain from eating. And there were often times in Israel's history where they would fast Uh, Sometimes because of repentance, they were crying out to God and praying, and they would fast as well. And Jesus assumed that his disciples would fast. He gives instructions at one point in the gospel, when you fast, don't do it like the Pharisees, who he said walked around with sunken in faces. They walked around like they were starving and looking hungry because they wanted people to see that they were fasting. Or another place a Pharisee brags that he fasts twice a week, uh, which apparently he thought was very impressive. And Jesus says we're not supposed to fast like that. But here, the topic of fasting comes up for a very specific reason. Jesus says that he's come to call sinners to repentance. And the Pharisees think they know what that repentance should look like. They specifically point out that John the Baptist and his disciples fasted. Do you remember who John the Baptist was?
1: The person who baptized Jesus.
0: That's right. John the Baptist had been preparing the world to hear the message of Jesus. And he had been doing that by baptizing those who were repenting. And so, if you remember him, he was kind of a unique figure. He lived out in the wilderness, and he wore camel hair clothing, and he ate honey and locusts. The Pharisees look at Jesus' ministry and say, well, we know what repentance looks like. We remember John calling people to repent, and they fasted and prayed and lived in the wilderness. And even the Pharisees, they fast and pray. But they looked at Jesus' ministry, and they looked at Jesus' disciples and said, here you are at a home with tax collectors eating and drinking and having a party, a dinner party. They said to Jesus, you may talk about repentance, but it sure doesn't look like repentance. So this is that idea of fasting. It's actually going to come up again in our Gospels, but it's important to recognize this difference of opinion here. How does Jesus understand fasting in this moment compared to the Pharisees? Well, to answer that question, we really have to get into the conversation for today. So, let's talk about Jesus' response. What do you remember about how Jesus responds to that question? Jesus and his disciples weren't fasting the way that the Pharisees thought they should. Instead, they were eating and drinking. How did Jesus respond to the Pharisees?
2: He said, if you're at a wedding and when you're with the groom, you don't fast at a wedding when you're with the groom.
0: That's exactly how he answers. Now, Will and Charlotte, I know you guys have been to some weddings because you've been with me. I'm wondering if the kids listening, if they've been to weddings before too. Uh, Do you normally not eat at a wedding or what, what do you normally eat at weddings?
1: Like, of course, like cakes and food and like cupcakes.
0: That's right. We think of weddings as an opportunity to celebrate and a big part of celebrating is food. We like to eat at weddings, don't we? Absolutely. That's one of the best parts of weddings is all the food and the cake. Well, in Jesus's day, they celebrated weddings even bigger than we celebrate weddings. We often go to a wedding for just an evening or an afternoon, but in the ancient world, they often celebrated weddings for an entire week, seven days. And there would be eating and drinking and celebrating for that whole time period, and they would have welcomed all sorts of people from the whole town and community. These were big celebrations. And they were actually expected to do that. It was part of their religion. It was part of the sacredness of marriages and the ceremony itself. You were expected to show up and participate.
1: Wow, my stomach would hurt a lot.
0: If you ate for seven days, for sure. Now, the Pharisees would have understood celebrating at a wedding, and they would have understood that they were supposed to, that it was part of the way that they practiced community with one another. The law expected them to show up and celebrate weddings, not to fast during those celebrations. So Jesus brings this up and says, well, don't you know that at weddings, when the groom is arrived, when the groom is there, we're supposed to celebrate, not fast. But Jesus is making an even bigger claim here. Who is Jesus claiming to be? By telling this story.
1: Is Jesus claiming to be the groom?
0: That's a good observation. In his story, we don't fast when the groom has come. Jesus is saying that now that he is here, his disciples shouldn't be fasting. But like those that are at the wedding celebration, they should be eating and drinking. You're right, Charlotte. Jesus is describing himself as the groom. Now, the Pharisees listening in would have understood what Jesus was saying because Jesus was making a big claim. There's a really common idea in the Old Testament that the nation of Israel was the bride and that God was the groom, that Israel was the wife and God was the husband. And there's a lot of passages in the Old Testament that talk about how God as the husband will come and save his bride, will save his wife. In fact, there's a place in Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, where he specifically says, I will be your husband or I will be your groom. So when Jesus says to the Pharisees, we shouldn't be fasting but celebrating because the groom has come to you, and I am the groom, what do you think Jesus is saying?
2: He's saying he's here to save everybody.
0: Certainly it's that. I think it's something even bigger. I think Jesus is saying that he is God. In Isaiah, God says he's the husband, the groom, and Jesus is now saying, I'm that groom, I'm that husband, and I've come to save or to rescue my bride my wife. Jesus is making a big claim here. He's admitting that it's good to fast, but this should be a time of celebration because Jesus has come to restore his people. Jesus has come like a groom or like a husband comes to his wife. Well, you can see why this might have upset the Pharisees because they didn't think of Jesus as God. They thought of him as maybe a teacher or a miracle worker, but Jesus himself was claiming to be something even greater. Well, I've got an important Greek word for us to learn today that I think is going to set us up for future conversations as well. So if you guys are interested in learning it, why don't we hit our button and we'll get into a new Greek word. Each week, we're learning a new word from the original languages of the Bible. You might not know it, but the Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek. And a little Aramaic, that's right also. Each week, we'll teach you an important word from these original languages, so you can better understand the important themes of the Bible. So, let's learn our word of the week. Okay, this word actually is used in Luke chapter 5 that we just read from, but it's going to be important in future conversations, and it's interesting because the Greek word and the English word are actually very, very similar. We get our English word from the Greek word. So the Greek word we're learning today is parabole. Can you say parabole?
1: Parabole. Parabole.
0: Any idea what that word might mean? Remember, I said it's very close to our English word, and it's actually in the passage we read.
1: It kind of sounds like bald, so I'm going to say bald.
0: It does not mean bald. That's a good guess. You kind of hear that word in there. Will, do you have a guess what it might mean? Parabole. Prepare. Have you heard the English word parable? Jesus often told stories called parables. That's the word that we get here. Jesus told them a parable. And in Greek, that word is just parabole. It's very, very similar. Do you hear how the two sound the same?
1: Yeah, but how, but like, what does that mean?
0: Well, let's break it down. That Greek word is actually made up of two smaller Greek words. Para, which is a preposition. And bole, which is a, a verb or an action. So the first part of the word para means alongside. Can you say para, which means alongside? Para. And the second word is bole, which means to cast or to throw. Well, can you say bole? Bole. So when you put those two words side by side, what you end up getting is the idea of laying something alongside something else or placing something beside something else. So when we talk about a parable in the Bible, what does it mean for Jesus to tell a parable?
2: It means Jesus tells a story trying to explain something to us.
0: Jesus often uses these stories to try to teach something. And there's a few reasons Jesus uses parables. Number one... He uses parables because they help us remember. We're good at remembering little stories, right? When we tell stories, sometimes driving in the car, or when we tell stories before bed at night, a story's easier to remember than just a definition or a sentence. And so Jesus gives us these images or these pictures. Do you remember in this passage he talked about, I bet you can even remember them without me. What were some of the parables, the images that Jesus uses? Because they stand out. They're easy to remember because he gave them to us as an image.
2: The one about the new garments and old garments...
0: That's right. Charlotte, do you remember any of those images, the parables Jesus used?
2: Wine and wineskin.
0: Perfect. The reason you remember those is because Jesus used these images to teach his lesson. The second reason Jesus would often use parables is because they would test who was really willing to listen. Sometimes the stories he told or the parables he told, even like the ones in this passage, they're not immediately clear. I think, Charlotte, you said at the beginning of our conversation, there was a lot of things in there I didn't understand or know what they meant. That often happened when Jesus told these stories parables. But the parables worked to see who would come back to Jesus and ask him to explain them. Many times, disciples or followers would say, what did that parable mean? Or what were you trying to teach us? And those parables would help Jesus identify who was really listening. The way it's often said in the Gospels is, who has ears to hear? Who's really listening and wanting to understand Jesus? And so it is, Jesus uses these parables parables, these stories to help teach us important lessons. And we get all that from this Greek word para alongside and bole to cast or to set two things beside each other. So can we say the Greek word one more time? Parabole. Parabole.
1: Parabole.
0: Well, we normally get a question from a friend, but on Sunday when I preached on this passage, Will actually had a pretty good question about it. And so, since we haven't talked about this part yet, I thought that'd make a great question from a friend. So, let's get into our question. It's time for our question from a friend segment, where one of our friends asks their question about the passage of scripture we're studying. Will, who do we have a question from today?
2: Today's question comes from me, Will, who's age nine.
0: All right, let's hear it.
2: I was wondering, what are wineskins? Thank you.
0: Well, good question. We were just talking about how Jesus often uses parables or images to explain things. And you're right. The couple that he uses here is making a patch on a garment. So what he's describing is if you had a hole in your tunic or your shirt, you wouldn't want to take a brand new piece of cloth and cut out a patch and sew it into the old garment because as you began to wear it and wash it, that new patch would shrink. And as it shrunk, it would actually tear and it wouldn't fit the hole in the garment anymore. In other words, you need, if you're going to patch an old garment, you need an old piece of cloth to be able to do it. Or if you're going to patch a new garment, you need a new piece of cloth. Then Jesus says something similar about wineskins, that if you pour new wine in an old wineskin, it'll burst the wineskin and all the wine will run out. Well, in the ancient world, they didn't have what we normally drink out of. When you guys take water to school or when you go into the gas station and get something to drink, what do we normally drink out of today? A cup. A cup, yeah. Or how about a bottle? And what are those often made out of today?
2: Plastic or metal.
0: Yeah, that's right. A lot of our bottles or if you go to a restaurant, a lot of times we're drinking out of plastic. Well, they didn't have plastic in the ancient world. And so they often stored water in stone jars or clay, large clay jars. They would go to wells and bring them back in clay jars. And when they would make wine, they would sometimes need a way to carry that around or transport it or store it. And one of the ways they often did is they would use animal skins. They would take the skin of an animal like a goat or a sheep And they would take all of the hair off of it and let it dry out. And then they would cut a pattern out, something like you could carry or store, and they would stitch that pattern, the seams together, so they would make a bag. And then they would use some sort of a tar or a pitch to seal the seams of that bag, and they would pour wine into it. And as that wine fermented or as it turned to wine, it would often expand. But because it was a new skin, that skin, that leather would actually stretch with it. Now, the problem is that leather can only stretch so far. So if you poured that wine out and put new wine in, filled it up, and it started expanding even more, now all of a sudden the old wineskin is going to break. The seams are going to pop, and it may rip open, and all of your wine would be spilled. So Jesus is trying to make the point, and this is an important point we'll probably learn more about later if it's a little confusing now, but he has come to do something new. And the Pharisees don't really want something new because they prefer the old ways. They prefer the way they've always done it. So they're not really interested in what Jesus is doing or what Jesus is saying. They can't understand. Jesus is like putting new wine in old wineskins or a new piece of cloth on an old garment. They're unwilling to hear what he has to say, and so it's not going to work. Instead, what Jesus needs is people with ears to hear, people who want to understand what he's come to do that's new. So, Will, does that answer your question about new wine and old wineskins?
2: It sure does.
0: Well, let's have a quick conversation about what we learned from today's passage, and then we'll close out in prayer. What did you guys take away from our conversation today?
2: Jesus came to make something new.
0: That's exactly right. He came to be the Messiah, God with us, which is new, and he also came to make us new. Good, Charlotte. Anything you learned today?
1: Jesus called himself to be the groom, which is God, and like you you should try to hear Jesus does not do what you want.
0: Those are both really good. Jesus himself claims to be God, not just a teacher, not just a miracle worker. He claims to be God come to save his people, and he wants us to listen to him, even as he's telling us new things or how to be different. We should listen to Jesus, hear what he has to say, and ask questions if we don't understand his parables or his teaching. Well, that's really good. It sets us up for many of the parables that are to come in the Gospels. So what do you guys say we wrap up today's conversation with a prayer? Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have come to teach us new things, and we pray that our hearts and our lives would always be open to hearing from you, that if you speak to us and you call us to new things, we would hear and listen to what it is you're saying to us. And we thank you that you have come like a groom, that you've come to save us, and that should fill our hearts with joy and celebration, just like we celebrate at weddings today. So we pray that our hearts would just be full of gratitude for everything you've done for us and given to us, and that we might celebrate all of those good things with you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: We have this little tradition in our house of offering a blessing before the kids go to school each day. In the book of Numbers, Aaron is given a blessing in which he puts God's name over his people. And we would like to offer you that blessing as we do each morning as well, too. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace.
1: And lots of peas to eat for lunch.
0: Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk Bible podcast. You can find notes for today's show by going to letstalkbible.kids. There you'll find this week's scripture, family discussion questions, and the word of the week. You can also send us a message, maybe a question you have about the Bible. Parents, there's also a sermon for each of our episodes to help you dig deeper into the week's passage. We hope our conversations inspire your family for some conversations of your own. Thanks for listening.